And I pray that you're going there. And if you don't know for sure you're going there, you can know for sure today before you leave here today. Amen? You surely can. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get started today, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for eternal home in heaven, Father Lord, that you prepared, not with hands that are human, but with hands that belong to an awesome God. Father, we thank you for being our awesome God. Lord, you're more than awesome. Lord, we throw that word around, but Lord, it, 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 you go beyond awesomeness, Father Lord. You're holy. And Lord, you're an incredible God. Lord, you are everything, Lord, to all of us, Father Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for how you bless us so richly. Lord, we don't deserve any good thing. We, we, what we deserve in this room today is hell. That's what we deserve. But Lord, you lavished your love on us when you died on that cross. Lord, you poured Everything that you were out on the ground, Father Lord, all your blood, everything that you were because of your tremendous love for each and every one of us. And Lord, it's my prayer, Lord, today that you would just touch our hearts, help us to draw close to you today. Help us to think about this place called the city of Jerusalem, the city of the new city of Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth. Help us to think about and dwell on those things today. Lord, we spent a good part of the year talking about judgment upon judgment upon judgment. And, and, Lord, so many people will say, well, God would never send anybody to hell. And they're exactly right. He doesn't. We send ourselves to hell when we deny the truth of who you are. Jesus is our Savior and Lord of our life. I pray if there's anyone here today that's never trusted you as Savior and Lord of their life, let them think about this and contemplate, Lord. There has to be a time in your past when you said yes to Jesus and you trusted him as your Savior. And, Father, if that time has never come, then, they're, Lord, that they're, they're not saved. Lord, we need to know that you shed your blood for us. We need to know that the shedding of blood brings the remission of all of our sins, Father. We need to put our faith and trust in you to know, God, that you did that for us. Just to come to you, Lord, as we are, just a beggar, Father, Lord, saying, Lord, I believe in you. And, Father, I trust in you today and repent of our sins. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for our time this morning together here. May your word richly indwell our souls as we serve you each and every day. And I praise you for it all. In Jesus' precious name. The title today is uh, The Heavenly City, Our Eternal Home. And so before I get into uh, the part of, about the heavenly city, I just want to share something with you out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And I want you to let this kind of sink in. I want you to think about this statement here that was written here by Peter as I get started today. And uh, I tell you, it's very... It's something that we as Christians need to cling on to in our own hearts and in our lives. In 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9, he says, But you, he's talking about, about you, all of us that are Christians, he says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. You hear that? That's what we are. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. If you're a believer today, God owns you. Amen. You don't own you. God owns you. If you own you, there's a problem. Right? So God must own you. Man, when he died on that cross, shed his blood, and you said yes to Jesus, you turned over everything. Tax, title, license, everything. You turned it all over to Jesus. Right? He is the Lord of our life. He is the leadership of our life. He tells us what to do, when to do it, and how to jump. Amen? Amen? That's what he does. And he wants you to and listen. And this is one of the reasons that he tells us that, that we're with all these things, because you may proclaim what? The excellencies of him who has called you out of what? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love that. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You're the people of God. Amen? You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have all received mercy. We have all received mercy. I can't help but think about the three crosses when Jesus died. I can't help but think about the two thieves that were on the cross. I can't help but think that one of them went to their doom. But one of them went to where? To paradise to be with Jesus. And listen, I'm going to tell you something about that. He never walked an aisle. He never was baptized. He was never in a Bible study. He was in none of that. Jesus, he died on the cross. 
The only thing that he had was that Jesus told him he could come with him. Amen. You hear me? There's nothing. Listen, Jesus does all the work. It has nothing to what we do. We have nothing to offer. All we have to offer is to surrender ourselves to his lordship. We have nothing to offer Jesus. Nothing. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He was whipped and bruised and battered for our transgressions and our sins. All those things. Man, he took those steps up. God, he carried the cross. He went up there. He laid his own body down on the cross. Then, then Listen, them soldiers might, you might think they put him and murdered him. No, they didn't murder him. He voluntarily came and laid his life down on the cross for you and for me. Listen, for eternity because his awesome, incredible love for you and for me. Jesus loves us with an everlasting love. Jesus loves us to the last drop of blood and then some. It was his blood that forgives us of our sins. Jesus loves us everlastingly. Last week we entered the splendors of heaven, remember? Seeing a new heaven and a new earth because the former earth and universe had passed away. No longer obliterated. It's gone, right? God has built a new earth a brand new earth, and a new city of Jerusalem. Today we're going to, in detail, to expand our view about this new city called the Holy City, the Heavenly City, and what it will look like. Listen, folks, this message today should matter to us about the city of Jerusalem, the new and holy city of Jerusalem. Because, listen, this is where you and I are going to reside as believers in the King of Jesus. He was our sacrifice. And because he was our sacrifice, if you believe in him, you're going to be his trophy in heaven for all, all the, all the, all the myriads of angels and all the people to see and all the creatures that will be there. You're going to be his trophies in heaven, in this heavenly city. It's something. It's brand new. How many of you like brand new? Right? We like brand new food. Right? We like that. Uh, we like, um, we like brand new cars. We like brand new, um, when you get your car cleaned, right, you go over there and they ask you what kind of freshener you want. Then you don't say, you know, well, I'll take strawberry or cherry or some uh, blue mist or whatever. No, you say you want new, right? You want the new car smell, right? So you like new. New is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Many of God's people are preoccupied with the thought of going to heaven. You preoccupied with heaven? You ever think about heaven? I pray that you do every day. I pray you think about heaven. Listen, we need to fix our eyes on the things above and not on things of this earth. See, that's the problem, I think, with people in the church sometimes. We fix our eyes on the things that are around us, the things that are on earth, and it pulls us down. It distracts us from looking at the main thing. When Paul, he kept looking up. He wants us to keep on looking up. Jesus wants us to keep looking up for our redemption draws near. We need to be ready. We need to be willing. We need to be awesomely alert that Jesus could come back at any instant, at any moment. We need to be looking to heaven. Heaven is where we belong. Heaven is made for us, not hell. Hell was not made for us. Hell was not made for any human. The Bible says it was made for the devil and his demons, right? For Satan and his angels and his fallen demons, right? Isn't it funny that God did not mention humans for hell? But we're going to have some that are going to go there, even though it wasn't made for them. That tells me he had all of mankind in his thought and in his mind. He loves us so much, and he, and he, and he, he, had the, he was the example of love on that cross for you and for me. As a believer, ever since my journey started, I've always felt out of place in this world system. You ever felt out of place? Amen. You ever feel out of place? I feel out of place. There's times I feel out of place. There's times I feel more out of place than other times. You know, sometimes I think about, I mean, I was a student pastor for 17 years. I've got a lot of my students that have done, gone on to do great things. A lot of them have gone on to be ministers of music, ministers of youth ministry and different things like that. But I've got a lot of my, i got some of my youth that for some reason they got off on this different tangent, different way of thinking. And it really breaks my heart. Somewhere, somewhere, there are some who have left, listen, that elementary teachings of Christ, not for maturity, as the scriptures say in Hebrews, right? We should all leave the elementary ways of teaching. But here, I've got students, I've got, I got 
people that I love that I look back in the past and sometimes I see them on Facebook and I'm thinking they have so digressed away from the things that God has taught them of how to live and how to be and how to act and how to do and how to be just like Jesus. And they've gone off the deep end and it really, really breaks my heart. What happens is they get distracted, they get away from that and they end up digressing, pursuing their own desires, either ignoring and or compromising the very words of God, right, as He intended for them to live, to believe, and to comprehend in their life. I feel out of place even with them. I can't even talk to them in a lot of cases. A lot of them I put on there, I'll say, and listen, they don't even respond to me anymore. And some of them spent seven years in my youth ministry hearing the Word of God, the Word of God. Some of them go to church. Some still. But some of them are in, in relationships that ought not be. Some of them are in same-sex relationships. They ought not be. The Word of God has an abomination in the sight of God. I'm sorry. It's just what the Word, I'm not going to apologize for. That's what God's Word teaches. And we need to take a stand. Listen, sin is sin, and God can't even look upon it. That's what His Word teaches us. In 1 Peter 2, 11, He says, Beloved, and listen to this. This is what I'm talking about. I urge you as aliens and strangers. You hear that? To abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. That wage war against your soul. It wages war against our soul. We're not part of this world anymore. Just quit living like the world. Turn away from the world. Live to Jesus. Leave to Christ. Listen, obey the Lord and leave all consequences to Him. Just obey God. Do the next right thing and obey God. No matter what you do, obey Him, obey Him, obey Him. Every single day that should be a goal of your life is to obey Him. And it's not in the obeying that makes you right. It's in His sacrifice on the cross that makes you right. But if you're proclaiming to be, listen, sacrificed with Jesus or crucified on the cross with Jesus, Paul would say, now listen, there comes a point in time where you've got to let go of the sin, you've got to turn around, repent from it, and chase Jesus with all of your heart. We need to think about all of that. I urge you, aliens and strange, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Hebrews eleven thirteen says this, talking about Abraham and Sarah here. All these died in faith, remember the heroes of faith, without receiving the promises but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were, what? Strangers and exiles on earth. For those who say such things, they make it clear. Do you make it clear today? That they were seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out of, right, they would have had the opportunity to return to that country. But no, no, he says, but as it is, they desire a better country. How many desire a better country today? Amen. I desire a better country. And this isn't it. This isn't the better country. The better country is in the presence of Jesus and angels and brothers and sisters that know Jesus that are there. That's the better country. That's what we live for. That's what we live looking forward to. Our goal is to be in heaven with our glorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to be with each other in total harmony and unity, complete oneness with Jesus and He with us. And it's coming, folks. It's coming. A better country. It is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For He has prepared a city for them. He's prepared it for you and I. And we're going to talk about that city today. Oh, the majesty of it, the wonder of it. Listen, my human finite words cannot even describe the splendor that we're going to behold when we get to that glorious city in the new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be a wonderful experience for us. We're going to see things that eye has not seen or ears heard, right? Or even thought in the heart of man. Listen, for those that God has in store and prepared for all of us that love him. 
God loves you, and he has something that is very fantastically planned for each and every one of us. I believe people do or will recognize you as a follower and lover of Jesus as you follow him. You cannot point people toward the heavenly city and compromise his holy word, though. That's the whole point, right? To make it mean what you want it to mean to indulge in your selfish indulgences. We cannot do that. It's about following Jesus. Here's the question. Would people identify you with Christ? Would people convict you if you were taken into court of law? Would they convict you as a follower of Jesus Christ if they saw you? Or do they just not know that you're a follower of Jesus? Very pointed question. Does your life align with the very context of his inerrant word? Does your life align with the word of God? We are strangers, listen, to resist temptation in life uh, than we think. We, we're, we're able to resist it because of his power within us. Whatever that temptation is, whatever that sin is, you can shed it, you can shuck it, you can get rid of it, you can confess it, you can repent of it. Turn away from the sin and turn after and chase after Jesus with a pure heart, with a whole heart in every way. And let Jesus work out all the details of your life. He wants to work out the details of your life. Last week we were introduced last week to the holy city, New Jerusalem. Turn to Revelation 21, verse 2. We'll start there. I'm just going to hit this verse about the new city. Revelation 21, verse 2. It says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning, no longer any crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. Amen? And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's right. I know you love that. New, right? New. It's going to smell new. It's going to look new. It's going to be new. Amen? In every sense of the word, right? And he said, Write these. He looked at John and said, Write for these words are faithful and true. Don't just look around, John. Just don't look around with your mouth gaped open. He says, get busy, man. He said, write it down so my people can hear it, so we can hear it at Hills Church in 2023, many years forward. But here's the thing that bothers me. Sadly, our churches in the world today have become very worldly-minded. We accept the things of the world. We think more in line to appease the world by getting caught up for instant gratification and material comfort and narcissistic <coughs> indulgence. The church has become so worldly. We must never conform to the world, but be what, church? Transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. If your mind is renewed, then you're going to follow Jesus. And you're going to follow what Jesus says. To follow Jesus, you follow what Jesus says. It's that simple. It's, it's not hard to understand. It's not rocket science. Jesus made it very simple for us to follow him. Do the next right thing. Last week, you know, in fact, in fact, it says in Colossians, we must focus our attention on heaven above, this earth, where Christ is seated at the Father's right hand. Amen. That's where we need to focus. Colossians 3, 1 says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. Here's what he says. He describes, we're saved, right? We're resurrected in spirit. You have been raised up with Christ. Jesus was resurrected. If you're a believer, you've been resurrected to new life. The old life, the dead man, the old man is dead. The new man is alive and well. Is that, is that an example of your life? The old man is dead. He says, keep seeking things above. There it is again. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your mind. Set your mind. Set your mind on things where? Above, not on things in the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And verse 4, I love this verse because here's the key. When Christ who is your life. You need to underscore that. That's key. Because you have to ask yourself, is Jesus my life? You have to ask yourself, 
to your spouse, is Jesus my life? Is Jesus my life? Is Jesus my life? I just spent a week, in fact, Sister Denise spent it even longer, in the hospital. Right? Going through uh, last Sunday after church. You remember when I said, you don't know what's going to happen in the next 15 minutes. You remember me saying that? Or the next minute. Then right after church was over, we were ministering to some folks, and then her chest, her chest was hurt. And it had been bothering her for the last week. And so Sunday afternoon, we're at home, and she's resting, but her chest is still hurting. I said, that's it, girl. We're going to the hospital. And so we did, and there she stayed all week and had all these tests done. And definitely the, the pains were there. She wasn't imagining the pains. They were there. Uh, they did the echocardiograms. They did all the blood work. Came back normal with the echocardiogram. And he could tell that there was a little bit different, abnormal in her rhythm in her heart. A lot of that has to do from this open heart surgery she had back in 09. You know, and it, and it, and it was kind of beating, probably not as strong as a, a normal heart would, would beat. But yet it was in rhythm and it was doing okay, you know. And so here we are. Uh, I praise the Lord that she has no clear, she knows she has no clogged arteries. And has a good heart. So I praise the Lord for that. So the next step, though, is uh, she has an autoimmune disease of her lungs called zarcoidosis, right? Zarcoid. And so, uh, so she has specialists in Tampa for that. And we're thinking I could be a flare-up of that. So just continue praying for her. I appreciate all the prayers and the reaching out. Lord, it was just felt, the visits, everything. It mattered so much to us. And so I just thank the Lord for that. And uh, for me, I, you know, of course, I was... I was being a worry ward to a degree, and then to a degree I wasn't. You know, I said, God's got this. But I remember her surgery in 09 and how they reconstructed her heart, took the tumor out, and all this kind of stuff, right? And I'm thinking, it could affect that, you know? And so at the same time, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. Are you really trusting me? Yes, Lord, I'm trusting you. So I had to leave it at the feet of Jesus, you know? And God takes care of it all. And so I praise the Lord for how he takes care of each and every one of us. See, we have died, and our life is hidden in Christ, is in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, you will be revealed with him. The word of God refers to heaven more than 500 times. 50 times just in the book of Revelation by itself. We talked last week about three heavens, remember that? Here, space, in the throne room of God, right? We talked about that. Not a state of spiritual consciousness, it's not that. It's a real place. Though we believers die, we are transported immediately into the presence of God, right? Paul said in his own words, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord, all right? That doesn't get any plainer than that. So I believe when you look at John 14, 3, he comes back to get us as believers. He takes us into that holy city called the New Jerusalem. He takes us there to be with him until it's time to come back to set up the millennial reign. That's what he does after the rapture. When, when we, whether we're raptured or not, he takes us to be with him in that holy city. And that's amazing. It's going to be an amazing thing that you're going to experience when you leave here. It's not a state of spiritual conduct. Though when believers die, we are transported immediately there. Also, all of us transported at the rapture will also go immediately to heaven in the presence of Jesus. That's where we're going to be. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that in verse 51 through 55. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. So let us look at the heavenly city, amen? So, okay, so how, now, now, now history, uh, okay, now history as we know it has ended, right? The tribulation is over, all this stuff is done, the, 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 um, the lake of fire is filled with all the unbelievers and, and Satan and all the demons and everything. History is over, there's no more history, it's ended. Time as we know it is no more, there's no more time, no more, it's past. The Apostle John and his readers are transported to that eternal state, right? To the eternal resting place for all the redeemed, the capital city of heaven. And the link between the new heaven and the new earth to the new Jerusalem. It is central to the vision as described in much more detail than the rest of our eternal state. And so I want us to dig in. So first we're going to look at, number one, the overall appearance. You might want to write that down. The overall appearance. We're going to talk about the overall appearance of this new heavenly city, the new city of Jerusalem. 21 verse 9, he says, Then one of the seven angels, remember those seven angels that brought the seven bowls full of seven last plagues? They came and spoke with me, saying, he said, Come here! 
I will show you, listen to the words he chooses, the bride and the wife of the Lamb. Who is that, church? Who is it? Say, me, myself, and I. That's who it is. I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen? You a bride? You men, are you brides? Amen. All right, you better be. I'm telling you, you better be. In verse 10, he says, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. All right? Having the glory of God. Listen, her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear. Here we see the new city described as the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So the new Jerusalem is described as the bride. So the character of the city, listen, comes from those who live there, and that's you and I. We're going to live there. And the character of that city is going to be displayed through the bride that lives in that city. That's all of us. Folks, this is us, the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Revelation 19 and 7 describe, tells us that. But listen, this encompasses so much more than just the bride of Christ, but also the redeemed of all the ages, of all the ages who will live there forever. The redeemed are forever united with Jesus. Amen. The marriage has taken place and is consummated. John is carried away by an angel in the spirit. He's there in the spirit. Think about it. This, the apostle John, is transported from the Isle of Patmos. We know that from chapter 1, verse 9. On a spiritual journey to see what we, you and I, could never see. He's being let into this place to see the magnificence of a holy God. And to see everything that he's made for all of us. And to write it down. See, these are spiritual realities that John is experiencing. They're spiritual realities. Like the Apostle Paul, when he mentioned last week being caught up into the third heaven. Those were spiritual realities that the Apostle Paul was describing for himself. The first stop as John is carried off is a what? A great and high mountain, right? And so from there, John sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Now, I don't believe the city comes to the earth, but it covers above the earth somewhere, in space or whatever, whatever that looks like. We don't know, but it's gonna, we're going to see it. But it never says it comes down to the planet. It comes out of somewhere where God is, and it's right there before everybody. So from there, John sees the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. This is a descent of what already existed outside of time and space. We're going to see that. We see in verse 11 that the city radiates God's what? Eternal glory. This is the full manifestation of God's glory that we're going to experience. Think about it. Think about the brilliance of what we're going to see. And he describes it even further. This is why the city has no need for a sun or a moon. None. Because the glory of God will illuminate it from within. Its lamp is the Lamb, Jesus himself. It said her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear. The light radiates from within the city itself. It's very, very bright. In fact, it's so bright, it brightens up earth, the new earth, and new heaven, and everything around it. Coming out of it, it said, looking to John like a stone of pure, clear jasper. Now, when we think of jasper, we don't think of jasper being clear. But in this stone here, it is crystal clear. It is very crystal clear. And the Greek word for this stone is translucent. It's translucent. You see through it. It can shine through it. This stone is understood in the context is more of a diamond. It's like a pure diamond with, no, with, nothing, with nothing wrong with it. Very costly, clear, and unblemished. So heaven's picture is a huge, flawless diamond, and emanating from it is the brilliant Shekinah glory of who God is. Throughout the new heaven and new earth, amen, overall it's going to shine and illuminate every single thing. It's going to be amazing. So this is the overall appearance of this new city called Jerusalem. Number two, the outside design of it. Look at the outside design of it. It had a great high wall, it says, verse 12, 
with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. And the names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width, and he measured the city with the rod. 1,500 miles, its length and width and height are all equal. Verse 17, and he measured its walls, 72 yards. It's probably 72 yards wide, the outer walls, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper. The city was pure gold. Can you imagine? Like clear glass. There's the translucentness of it. Verse 19, the foundation stones of the city were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedon, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardox, the sixth was sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth was beryl, the ninth was topaz, the tenth was chrysoprase, the eleventh was jacinth, the twelfth was amethyst, and the twelve gates were what? Twelve pearls, each one of the gates was a single pearl. Let that sink in. That's amazing. I'm telling you, what we're going to see, uh, Disney can't even produce, right? And, uh, and this, he can't produce any of this, right? So here's the thing. And it had a great high wall. It had a super high wall. Now, this city has specific dimensions with limitations, right? It had 12 gates to enter and leave. 12 angels were stationed at these 12 gates for the purpose of attending God's glory, but also to serve the people, to serve us. It's going to be amazing. There were the 12 names of the 12 tribes of Israel written on them. This shows God's covenant relationship with Israel. He never breaks that covenant. Israel is always there. He made a covenant with Abraham and he carries it through to the eternity. They were arranged symmetrically on every side, which means they were equally on each side, these gates. Three gates on the east, north, west, and south. Reminds me of how the 12 tribes set up camp around the wilderness tabernacle in the wilderness. If you look in the Old Testament, I think in Numbers, you can see where the, where the tabernacle sits in the middle of the entire nation of Israel, the 12 tribes. And you'll have the three tribes on one side, the east, the west, the north, and the south. No different right here. But we see this in the gated city. It's pretty amazing. And, they were all, and, and this wall was anchored by 12 foundation stones. On them were the twelve names of who? The apostles. The stone commemorate God's a covenant relationship with the church. Re realize their foundation stones. If you were here on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, I talked about the foundation stones and how the apostles, with the apostles as the foundation to it all. They were the foundation to the church. They're the foundation of everything in the New Testament that we see. They were foundational to everything. That the foundation is the bottom of the building. They, once it's laid, it's laid, and listen, and it's, and it's done. And then everything is built upon that. That's where the evangelists come from. That's where the preachers and the teachers and the prophets, prophets and the, and the, and the, and the apostles were the foundations of the building of the new Jerusalem. And so we see this here. Ephesians 2.20 says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being what? The chief corner, the cornerstone. The top of each gate uh, was the name of one of the tribe of Israel. At the bottom of the gate was the name of one of the apostles. Uh, this layout of the city gates of the heavenly city pictures God's favor on all of his redeemed people, both under the old and the new covenants. Then there was a mention of a gold measuring rod for the purpose of measuring the city. The city walls are approximately, listen, uh, they're 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles tall. Some of your Bibles might say 1,380 as a form of measurement. I forgot what the term was. But it, but, uh, so between 1,380 and 1,500 miles, listen, that's how big the city was. It's a city, folks, and it's pretty amazing. It's a cube in shape. 
So God will design this city with plenty of room. He's already designed it for all of God's people. Don't worry, it won't be a skimpy either. Think about this. Sometimes we're all trying to save space and save all this stuff. You know, when God created everything, he created a lot, did he not? There's a lot of space. There's a lot of everything. He's he's ginormous in everything that he does. Look at space and look at the universe and look at everything and the vastness of it all. Look at how many galaxies are there. How many are there? We have no idea. And the more the man puts a powerful telescope up there, the further they reach out, the more galaxies they see. See, God doesn't do anything on a small scale. He he brings abundance into our lives. Amen? Every day he does. Every time. So God will design this city with plenty of room for all of God's people. God does things in large detail. Look at John 14, 2 and 3. He said, in my Father's house are what? Many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Right? He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, right, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The walls are also 72 yards thick. Okay? These are literal measurements. The wall is made of jasper, the same diamond, right? The wall was also translucent, and the city itself was made of pure gold like clear glass. This city will radiate God's glory. And next we see the foundation stones. They were adorned for every kind of precious stone or jewelry, which we named, 12 of which were the apostles' names. These brightly colored stones refract, listen, the shining brilliance of God's eternal glory into multiple colors. Man, we see through a prism. How many colors do you see through a prism? We know there's three primary colors, right? But think about all the colors that we're going to experience that probably we've never even seen before when we get up there to be in heaven. Multiple colors. Very, very beautiful. It's going to be breathtaking. Amen? Amen. We're going to be standing around with our mouths gaped open. (laughs) Can you imagine? I think God's going to be chuckling. I think the Lord's going to be chuckling up there when he sees us looking at that so so. Very, very beautiful. The new Jerusalem and the new recreated universe is going to be brand spanking new. Then there's the 12 gates and these 12 pearls. Think about these 12 pearls for a minute. The amazing pearls were one stone. Imagine this single stone, like 1,500 miles high. Only God, right? Each one a single giant pearl. I'm glad I don't have to pick that bad boy up, right? Right? Think about that. So this is the outside design, right? Look at number three, number three. Let's look at the inside design. Look at verse 21b. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. (laughs) Yeah, I know we wear this fancy gold down here, and the street's going to look like it. I think it's the best way John could describe it, is gold. That's going to be better than gold. I promise you. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God and the Almighty Lamb are its temple. Hmm. And the city has no need for the sun and the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth, this is interesting, we'll get into this, kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed. And they will, be, they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever, ever come into it. No one. But only those whose names are written where? In the Lamb's book of life will be in that glorious city. So here we see the angel takes John on a personal tour inside the city. This is inside the city, right? Streets. The street of city was pure gold like transparent glass. Think about this. We've never seen a translucent gold before. None of us have. Streets made of the highest quality of gold. There is pure and perfect. Everything in heaven is transparent. Why? Because it allows God's glory beam to shine out. Unrestricted. There will be no restriction for God's glory to come through. I saw no temple in it. Remember, there has always been a temple in heaven up to this point. There's always been a temple. There will be no need of a temple. 
For the Lord God, what? The Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Think about how we will constantly be in His presence, always and forever in the presence of God. Always and forever. Never be out of His presence. No need for the sun or the moon. The glory of God illumines all of it alone. The earth is totally dependent on the sun and the moon, but not in heaven. We won't need a sun or moon for heaven, right? Jesus was the spiritual light in our life. Spiritual light, but he will also be the physical light in the new heaven and new earth. Well, no, spiritually and physically, it's going to be amazing. There will be much traffic commuting back and forth from earth to the holy city that's hovering up there somewhere, right? Israel will come up to the holy city to worship also. The nations of the world will come up to worship. The redeemed Gentile nations which occupy the earth together with Israel will come up to worship. Listen, it's not their permanent dwelling place, but they will come up to worship the land. These are, all, these are those believers before, listen to this, the uncreation or destruction of this present world that we live in or universe we live in. That's who these people are. These are the redeemed after the church was removed from the earth. This is the redeemed after the church, after we're already gone. These are people that get redeemed later on in the tribulation and in the millennial reign. But it's also, also before as well. It's also before the church came into existence as all those in the past that are redeemed. Also many angels will be present as well. In Hebrews 12, 22 it says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriads of angels. Myriads. Can you count myriads? I think that's more than what our government owes. You think? Think about it. the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits and righteous made perfect. I believe you and I will be the priest in that holy city called New Jerusalem. We are his bride. Amen. If we're a bride, is the bride not going to be with the groom? Amen. This is what I love. I love this picture right here. I was talking to Nina about it last night. I said, you know, it's amazing because as the pastor of the church, I love being the pastor of the church. I love just the pastor. I'm not anything. I'm just a man, no different than anybody else. I just, God has called me to do what I do. You know, but what I love is my bride is where? She's right there with me. Let that sink in. We're going to be with the groom. Who's the groom? Jesus. Who's the bride? We are all the bride. If we're saved, we're a bride, right? What an amazing thing, right? John writes about the gates of the city not being shut, right? Not being shut. Back in Israel, as with many cities in history, they were walled with gates at night. They would be closed to keep who out? Keep the bad boys out, right? What are you going to do when they come for you, right? You close the gates and the walls are so high they can't get over them. So they can't get in, right? That's what they do. But you know what? Heaven... There's not going to be any more night. No more night in heaven. No reason to close the gates for it will be day or lighted. All the time is forever light. No more key. No more danger in heaven. Amen. No more enemies in heaven. Hallelujah. We will all rest from our labors in the new city. All the nations of the earth will dissolve into worship for the one true king. No more defiling. Nothing unclean will ever come in. The only people there will be those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. God will have accomplished His final purpose with man, and that is sweet, 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 uninhibited fellowship with our Creator. Listen, we're going to have such sweet fellowship with our Creator God. He designed us for that. That we would have sweet fellowship with the Holy God and He with us. He now has a creature who is a free moral agent and who chose, listen, chose to worship and serve Him eternally. Think about this church. You and I will be forever, listen, we will display, the, the, forever, forever be the display of His grace throughout eternity. 
will be on display. We're going to be the display of his awesome grace for all eternity. To all the myriads of God's created beings. Ephesians 2, 4, it tells us that. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. He said, for by grace you have been saved, right? Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come that he might what? Show what? The surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And eternity, you and I, will be on display as his trophies. We all deserve hell. And the Lord Jesus Christ died for us, paying a tremendous price. We trusted Christ. That is all you and I have to offer. Look what Jesus has done by making us fit for heaven, making us acceptable in the beloved. We are the fairest of all his jewels. Malachi 3, chapter, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 17. It says, there will be, uh, they will be mine. He says, they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. He's going to spare us because we're his sons and daughters. What a beautiful statement. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. When he makes up his jewels, the church will be on display. The reason the new Jerusalem will be the center of the new heaven and new earth. Listen, the Lamb's book of life has the names of all the redeemed of the earth in it. Unless his blood covers you, you will not be permitted in his new heaven. It's for the blood of the Savior has to cover you. And if he has not covered you, if you not receive Christ as Savior, you will not see the city. But you will see the lake of fire. The greatest joy of the redeemed will be that of abiding in the presence of who? Of Christ for eternity. We're going to be abiding. John 14, 3, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, he says, you may be also. Amen? Amen. This is heaven, my brothers and sisters, heaven. To be with him. Revelation is all about who? Jesus Christ. Get it off your mind, it's about future events. Yes, it is, but it's all about Jesus. From beginning to end, it's the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ where he's revealed to us. In his power, in his awesome glory, and we get to spend eternity with him as believers in Jesus Christ. That's where we get to be. Revelation all about Jesus. He is the eternal centerpiece of heaven forever. Of all that will be there, none will bring any sin to defile it anymore. How much more superior is this than the Garden of Eden? Where the lie of Satan made an entrance for sin. No lie or liar will ever enter into the portals of a heavenly Jerusalem. Listen, you and I won't even have, a, have, have, a, have to fast for sin. Listen, we won't have to worry about the sin. We won't even have an inclination to sin. We come through the gates which are never closed. Church, just think we will all dwell there. Do you think you can take it all in? Can we take it all in? John couldn't take it all in. He had to remind him, come on, write it down, John, write it down. Quit looking around, write it down, right? Makes you wish, listen, we don't make you wish you get a little glimpse of it. It would pull back a curtain and say, hey, check this out. <laughs> the prospect of being with Jesus Christ never separate anymore forever. What a wonderful, wonderful thought for us to think on, Amen. I can't help but think about a lot of our loved ones that we've seen, our own fellowship here, left to go and be with the Lord. Everything I'm describing here about this eternal city, they're experiencing right this moment. <laughs> and I, I, I just wonder if their minds go back and say, oh, wait, I can hear my brother Tim going, wait till Billy gets here. That's my nickname, right? 
pray. I look forward to it. You know, nothing ever, you hear me say this over, nothing ever occurs to God. So whatever you're going through in your life, your family, whatever, God is on it. He knows. Just reach out and talk to God about what's going on with your family, your friends, your lost kids, whatever my case may be. I never give up. I never give up on my former youth who have walked in a different direction. I pray for some of the churches they go to that, that teach error in the scripture. That teach it's okay to like the same sex. To teach it's okay to live together and not be married. We have to teach the word of God and we have to live the word of God as Christians. And there's a way to do it. And there's a way not to do it. And you can't compromise with God. You can't compromise what his word says. He tells us to live a holy life. And listen, he teaches in Corinthians that he always makes a way out for us, out of escape for us, when we turn to him. He has an answer for you and for me so that we do not compromise the living word of God. Amen? Sometimes we look for things, you know, I think about... I think about sometimes we get caught up in a sin, and so many times, and I heard a preacher say this one time, sometimes we get on this proverbial wheel that's spinning around, and we're caught up in this sin, and we're on this wheel, and it keeps spinning, and it keeps spinning, and it keeps spinning, right, saying, well, Lord, when can I get off of this wheel? I want to get off of this wheel. I'm tired of spinning on this wheel. I'm tired of being in the same place, in the same way, in the same way, every day, every day, every day. I'm like, when can I get off? When can I get on with my life? When can I get on? What's wrong? What am I doing? But if you be still and listen to God, let him speak to your heart, repent of your sin, turn away from your sin. That's repentance, true repentance. Turn away from it and chase the Lord. Do what is the right, next right thing every single time. If we would just do that, then guess what? And truly repent of it. Not just to mean you're sorry for it. Repent means to change your direction of your life. He will, you come right off of that wheel. And listen, and it may not feel good at first, but when you honor God, listen, he's going to honor you in his time, in his way, because he knows what's best. But we have to honor the living Lord Jesus Christ with our life. We have to really think about what we're doing. So here's my question. Is Jesus Christ your life? If you continue in sin, you can't do it. Impossible. That doesn't mean we don't sin. It doesn't mean we're perfect. None of us, this preacher, listen, I mess up. This week, I'm going to tell you, I was worried about my wife. I was worried about what's going on with her heart. I can't imagine living my life without her. We've been together for 44 years, and then some, right? I know, I caused you a lot of grief, I know. (laughs) I did. (laughs) I'm serious, I did. She's a great woman. And I, I, I can't imagine not having life with her here. Although one day, I know. Things happen. My prayer is that Jesus comes back and takes us all out of here. Like, like, like. In some aspects, I want to go now. You know, okay, Jesus, come quickly. We're ready. Let's go. We've been talking about heaven, and we want to see it, and we experience it. Let's go, you know. And then there's the other aspect of me saying, I think about all the people out here that don't know who Jesus is. My heart breaks because we have people that don't know Jesus, and they need to know Jesus. And listen, he's left us here to tell them. We bring glory to God when we tell other people about who Jesus is. You know that? So we've got to get busy doing that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Lord, just open up that picture, that window for us to get a glimpse 
Lord, in our mind's eye, Lord, of what heaven looks like and what it's going to be. Lord, it's my prayer, Lord Jesus, that you would just do a perfect work in all of us. You know why, Lord? Because we're in all of this together. We're not individuals living our individual life, but we're a collective family of God, Lord, that you brought together in this one place. And every soul in this place matters to you, and if they matter to you, they better matter to one another. And we must do everything we can to help each one, each other, Lord, to make it home to be with you. Well, we got to live the Word of God. We got to live the Bible, Lord, and we got to share the love of Jesus with every person. Lord, if we don't know what to do, we got to look for answers. We got to ask. We got to open our mouths and say, "I need help, Lord." I, I can't do it. Brother Phil, I can't do this, but I don't know what to do. I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what to do. I know what to do. One is we bring it at the feet of Jesus. And we say, Jesus, you know exactly what to do. And Lord, you know how to show us how to do it. Lord, your word has taught us for eons of time, it seems like, of how we need to live our life and how we need to honor you. And you tell us over and over again, if we would just, Lord, if we would just honor you, you honor us. Even in the midst of circumstances or troubles or trials, you still honor us. You help us through it. You help us have strength and wherewithal to be able to trust you, Jesus, with all that we are. Release it all to you and say, Jesus, take my life, use my life. Rescue my life. Guide my life. The cross, the thief on the cross. I can hear an angel asking the thief on the cross, well, what did you do? He says, I don't know. He just said I could come. That's all he knew. I praise the Lord. For a God who understands our innermost heart's desire. He waits for us to bow before his presence and say, yes, I will. Lord, come in our life. Help us get the dross and the, and the, and the cobwebs out of our hearts and minds. Help us to put off our selfishness. Help us to put on the righteousness, your cloak of righteousness, and live righteously in your presence. Help us to open our mouths in the presence of people in the, out in the community. If we look at them with eternity in mind, we can look at them and say, where are they going to be? In heaven, with you eternally, or separated from you eternally in hell? Lord, it's that simple, really. Help us to make an impact in the life of others. I thank you. If there's someone here today who's never trusted you as Savior, I pray that this be the day of salvation for them, that they would trust you with all their heart. Because God calls out to you and says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I know you're heavy laden because sin weighs heavy on people's hearts. All that are weary and heavy laden, He said, I will give you rest for your soul. Come to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Repent. Stop doing the wrong stuff you know is wrong that God has revealed in your heart and chase God with a pure heart and let God be the God of glory in your life. Lord, I praise you for all. Of course, in Jesus' precious name. And all God's children said, Hey, before you go, though, I want to do one thing. If the camera's still on, Where's Oscar at? Oscar. Come here, Brother Oscar. Come here, Brother Oscar. Brother Oscar turns what? 70 and none of your business, whatever it is today, right? Oscar, you turn 79 today. I know Pam and Paula. Listen, the Brownings. I know Pam uh, turns, uh, I don't know what how old she turns. She's 39 holding. So anyway, so anyway, I'm not sure. Right? So anyway, listen. I want us to sing happy birthday to Brother Oscar. The sister Pam, who is watching at home, and Paula, let's sing to them. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Oscar, Pam, and Paula, and anybody else. Happy birthday to you. Many more. Amen. Well, God bless you, brother. I love you. I love all y'all. Y'all have a thank you again for the prayers. Listen, have a great afternoon. And think about that heavenly city. And let that be. Let that encourage your soul deep down to know that no matter what happens, Jesus has you. Amen. Amen. Love y'all. Y'all dismissed.